Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is February the 28th, 2020. Goodness gracious. Uh, second month down in this uh, new year, in this millennium, almost. Tomorrow is the 29th, this being leap year. But I want to thank all of you for joining me. It's always great to be able to play that inevitable game of catch-up at the end of the week. And what a week this has been for those of you who are new to my program, perhaps new to uh, who I am and what I've been up to. I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. And my goal after the ashes landed on my home on September 11, 2001, my goal has been to wake up as many of our fellow Americans and our supposed leaders to uh, let everybody know about the nexus between immigration law enforcement terrorism, national security, public safety. My career with the old INS spanned 30 years. I've investigated and arrested terrorists, drug dealers, fugitives, and aliens who were simply working illegally in the United States, which is not, uh, to some people, a big deal, but for people who lose their jobs or suffer wage suppression, it most certainly is. Uh, And our immigration laws, and I have to make this point because I hope that what you will do with the information that I provide on this program is go out and have conversations with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family members, with the people you work with. No fights, no arguments. Let's turn down the volume. Let's turn down the heat. With all the concerns we've heard about the Second Amendment, we seem to have forgotten about the First Amendment. Uh, You know, George Orwell, and I quote him frequently, if you really want to know what's going on, please read 1984. It explains everything. There's no such thing as politically correct speech. Let's stop using that ridiculous term. What we're being confronted with is propaganda, also known as newspeak, right out of 1984. Please get the book and read it. You will understand precisely the tactics of the anti-Americans who want to dismantle the United States. uh, And do incredible damage. You know, no country is perfect. No human being is perfect. But I'll put America's record on the line up against any other country. Uh, I don't know of any other country that has achieved more, has been more reasonable. Um, Really, the idea of freedom and democracy, all people want freedom. The question is, are they up for it? As Ben Franklin said after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, um, a woman approached him and said, what have you given us? And he said, madam, I've given you a republic if you can keep it. The way that we're going to keep it is to make certain that as many of our fellow Americans are educated about the truth. Again, quoting Orwell in the time of uh, universal tyranny, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. It is so important to tell the truth. Um, There's an individual, uh, one of the people that I I certainly respected, who uh, lost his life a week ago. Um, and, and it's just so disconcerting to me that uh, Phil Haney, 
um, is, is gone. Uh, Phil Haney wrote an amazing book. It's called uh, See Something, Say Nothing. He was an analyst for the Department of Homeland Security working on radical Islamists potentially operating within the United States. Um, the circumstances surrounding his death, uh, not known. The initial report was suicide. Now police are saying that it's not a suicide. I hope a thorough and completely exhaustive investigation will be conducted because it's so important to have the truth. Knowledge is power. And that's the reason for my program. There's a lot of mythology, a lot of nonsense being spewed, and a lot of people have been conned. A lot of decent, honorable, compassionate Americans have fallen victim to the lies and the nonsense being spewed by the alleged mainstream media, by the political establishment. Immigration is a vital issue that impacts national security and public safety, and as we're seeing now, public health. And to be in favor of immigration enforcement is not to be opposed to legal immigration. The difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. And it's remarkable to me that with the coronavirus in full swing, or it seems to be, it's ramping up around the world. Everyone's concerned. There are cases being reported in various places. Suddenly, suddenly the politicians that didn't want to fund Trump's border wall, that it's not really Trump's wall, it's a wall for America. It's a wall that would not stop people from entering the United States either, by the way. I mean, that's the way it's portrayed in the media, isn't it? A wall of hate. We're trying to keep Mexicans out of America. Uh, That's not the case whatsoever. The purpose for the wall is to make certain that everybody and everything that comes into the United States is vetted, is screened, to make certain that we don't wind up with criminals and terrorists and fugitives, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. That's what we're trying to keep out, drugs and weapons. Uh, In fact, if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, read my articles, you'll see all this there, and I write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. I also am doing uh, twice-a-week podcasts over at DML News, Dennis Michael Lynch, Team DML at the subscription service. But please check it out. It's about having the information that you can share with your neighbors and wake them up. But write this down, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182-1182. That lists all of the categories of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States. And, yes, I use the word alien. It is not a pejorative. It's a legal term under our immigration laws. And it simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult. By the way, the term DREAM Act is an acronym that uses the word alien, Development, Relief, and Education of Alien Minors. We've got to use accurate language. If you don't use accurate language, then there's no point to the conversation. If you look at all laws, the beginning of every section of law in the federal government and for other governments as well are the definitions. How could, for example, ATF arrest someone for illegal possession of a firearm if you don't define what a firearm is or what a dangerous drug is or what criminal assault is? And, And the list goes down the line. So the term alien is important because it describes any person, not a citizen or national of the United States, period. The problem with the term alien is that it provides clarity, and the last thing that con artists want is clarity. 
That's why they're trying to get everyone to say immigrant when what they really mean is illegal alien. Everyone who walks into a store and walks out with merchandise isn't a customer. Shoplifters walk out of the store with merchandise they didn't pay for. They're not customers, okay? Now, I understand that there are some very desperate people who come to America as an act of desperation. They risk their lives. They endanger their children. They do what they have to do to get here because they're living under horrible conditions. They feel terrible for them. But there's over 7 billion inhabitants on this planet. If we took down the borders and said, come one, come all, we would have chaos and America would descend into anarchy. You know, think of America as a lifeboat. If you try to get everybody onto that one lifeboat, the lifeboat capsizes and everyone is lost. America is like that lifeboat. But we've got to be clear. We are a generous country. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year, more than the rest of the world combined. We provide citizenship to hundreds of thousands of new citizens every year, again, more than the rest of the world combined. And one of the things that the Justice Department announced this week, and I'll talk about it shortly, is that they're starting essentially a task force to look at those aliens who got citizenship by lying on their applications, by concealing material facts. If rumors about Ilan Omar, for example, are true that she married her brother for immigration purposes, um, she's probably not sleeping well reading about how they are now going to look to bring criminal charges against anybody right on the application to acquire citizenship. They would face jail. They would face loss of their citizenship and ultimate deportation from the United States. This isn't new, by the way. We did this. America did this with the Nazi war criminals. And I can't tell you how pleased I was that I helped the uh, office that dealt with that issue in one particular case. My family was decimated during the Holocaust. So to help to take uh, one of these pieces of detritus and throw his butt out of our country, boy, oh, boy, it was the most fun you could have with your clothes on. You know, understand that we are not, as a country, obligated to take in the whole world just as you, as a private person, are not obligated to open your door to a stranger. That's all we're talking about here, folks. And so you have a situation with the coronavirus. Chuck Schumer has jumped up and said, we need to spend $8.5 or whatever the number. It's in excess of $8 billion. And he is jumping all over President Trump because President Trump only wants $2.5 billion thereabouts. What are you doing? We need to put more money into this. But at the same Chuck Schumer, who also said that trespassing ought to be a five-year crime, five-year felony under federal law when the trespass is committed against national infrastructure or national landmarks, critical infrastructure or national landmarks. But now the same Schumer would not want to fund the wall or enforce the immigration laws. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, you will see it has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's not about brown skin. We hear this garbage all the time. You're hearing it from Bernie Sanders. You're hearing it from all these people. By the way, Bernie Sanders, if you look at his record just a few short years ago, was very strong on supporting immigration law enforcement. He said, you can't bring in all these foreign workers. You're going to destroy wages and jobs for Americans and lawful immigrants. And that's exactly right. And now Bernie Sanders has flipped the switch. And I love the commercials. Oh, he's consistent. No, he's a consistent liar. He's a consistent liar. And it's remarkable that this guy, who I would call a self-hating Jew, 
uh, is quick to call Benjamin Netanyahu a racist, but has no problem hanging out with the so-called squad, which is clearly anti-Semitic. How do you explain that? He wouldn't attend a meeting with the American-Israeli Political Action Committee. He doesn't have to agree with them, but wouldn't even meet with them and said that he would immediately move the U.S. Embassy out of Jerusalem, even though a series of presidents from both parties all promised to move the embassy, but it took Donald Trump to actually move the embassy. Bernie Sanders has animosity for democracies. He has animosity for Israel, but he loves Castro. He certainly loved Daniel Ortega over in Nicaragua, who he led up to Sandinistas. If you go through the news reports going back in time, he actually tried to get Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, to meet with Daniel Ortega, the leader of a communist country in, in Latin America. What does Bernie Sanders stand for? We're going to talk about Sanders and what he stands for and how dangerous he is. Make no mistake about what his, object, what, what his objective is at the end of the day. It's not in America or Americans' best interests. But right now we have this problem with the coronavirus. And you really have to wonder if maybe there's an overreaction to it. Every year tens of thousands of people die because of the flu and other diseases. It might be perhaps more virulent. We don't know. Certainly you want to be prudent. But the whole point to immigration law enforcement, again, go back to that section of law I gave you, 1182. Item one on the list. Excludable aliens, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who have mental illness. Ellis Island, I, I keep pointing it out almost every week, but Ellis Island was a quarantine station. So now, incredibly, you have Mayor de Blasio saying that he wants the Center for Disease Control, the federal government, to work with New York to combat the coronavirus. This is the same mayor who does not want to work with immigration law enforcement. Dead is dead. Whether an alien enters the United States with the intentions of selling drugs or carrying out a terrorist attack or apply his or her trades as a criminal, people get hurt, people get killed by those actions. People with dangerous diseases can also cause people to lose their lives or become deathly ill. This bizarre dichotomy being expressed by, by these crazy Democrats, and I'm registered as a Democrat. As far as I'm concerned, these folks are not Democrats. Don't secure the border, but make sure we don't allow people in with diseases. Wow, that's astonishing. It's breathtaking. In fact, I was on a show earlier today with Bobby Gunther Walsh over at WAEB in Pennsylvania, and, and I consider Bobby to be a friend. Uh, I've been on his show for years now. I'm on generally every other Friday, although um, this coming, I was on today, but I won't be on in two weeks on Friday, but on Thursday, because he does an awful lot of charitable work, and it's something that uh, is just fabulous. You know, it's so important um, to do proper um, charity. But anyway, um, Gunther, Bobby Gunther called me up this afternoon. He said, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but there was a story uh, in the news, and Breitbart is covering it, uh, and it was also covered by another publication that uh, that he told me about. And, and here's the headline, because the, the other article was quoting the Breitbart article. Exclusive, 1,155 Chinese nationals apprehended after illegally entering U.S. in fiscal year 2020. 2020, the fiscal year began in October, uh, this past October. 
And, and so here's what they said. U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials responded to an inquiry from Breitbart, Texas, and reported that Border Patrol agents apprehended 1,155 Chinese nationals who illegally crossed into the United States. Of these, 1,114 were apprehended after crossing between the ports of entry and nine Border Patrol sectors. Again, between ports of entry, that's the reason for the wall, so that people couldn't enter between ports of entry but would have to go through ports of entry. What is wrong with that? Go to a bank. And what do they do? They have a velvet rope that guides you to the next available teller. Think of the wall on the border as comparable to that rope. It's designed to push everybody entering into a port of entry so they can be vetted, so that a record of entry is created, so that whatever they're bringing in can be searched to make certain that they're not carrying contraband, you know, narcotics, heroin, opiates, meth, guns, bombs, poisons, God knows. That's all this is about. And if you listen to the screams, oh, my God, he's creating a wall of hate. Um, Nancy Pelosi had a meltdown, had a meltdown over what? Trying to make certain that everyone who enters the United States goes through a port of entry. You know, I would love to ask Nancy and, and, and Chuck uh, the question that I asked when I was on Fox and Friends not long ago. I said, would you get on an airplane if you saw people sneak past the TSA? And you know what the answer to that is. I said, why in the world is it acceptable? Why in the world are we being forced to live among millions of people, aliens, who snuck past that vetting process conducted at ports of entry, which is very similar in point of fact to the vetting process conducted by the TSA at the airports? If you wouldn't get on an airplane if people snuck past the inspections, why are we being forced to live among millions of aliens who snuck past a similar vetting process conducted at ports of entry? And that's what the wall is trying to stop. It's not designed to stop people from entering, just make sure that they are vetted. And we're hearing from Booker and Menendez in New Jersey, everyone coming into Newark Airport should be screened for the coronavirus. I agree. I did the job as an inspector for the first four years of my career with the INS, and we work shoulder to shoulder with public health for that very purpose. So on the one hand, Schumer wants to have almost triple the amount of money, two and a half times the money that the president wants to fight the coronavirus, but he doesn't want to prevent people from sneaking into the country. I want someone to ask Schumer to explain that. How do you protect America when you have people sneaking into the country so we can't vet them for the virus, as well as to make certain that they're not criminals or terrorists and so forth? It's nonsensical. But you're not going to hear that in the mainstream media, are you? He wants to spend over $8 billion to combat the coronavirus, but not a nickel to prevent unlawful, uninspected entry. This term, undocumented, is Orwellian garbage. It's uninspected. It's trespassing, Chuck. You know, you wanted to lock up. Go to his website. You'll see it, unless he takes it down when he hears this. A 16-year-old kid who climbed the Trade Center under construction, the rebuilt tower, he said, oh, my God, this is dangerous. These people should go to jail for five years. But when aliens trespass on America, the same hypocrite Chuck says, oh, now these people are entitled to a pathway to U.S. citizenship. We need to spend $8 billion plus to prevent the entrance of this coronavirus and to get it under control. But he wouldn't pe- spend a penny 
to stop the uninspected, uninspected, I'll say it again, uninspected entry of aliens. In fact, as an agent, I don't know what the jargon is today. I've been retired for quite some time. But if my boss saw that I made an arrest, he'd say, Mike, what have you got? I, I would say I arrested an Iwi from Guatemala. Iwi, E-W-I, Iwi, entrant without inspection. What's the vetting process for people who enter without inspection? This may take a lot of brain power for these idiot Democrats. There is no inspection. We don't even know they're here, so there is no vetting. There is no vetting. Folks, the contradictions are stark and startling, and it really makes it clear who these people are and how crazy they've become. They want an end to immigration law enforcement. Bernie Sanders is calling for an end to immigration law enforcement. There's a bill that's out there, the New Way Forward Immigration Act, that would basically end immigration law enforcement. Unlawful reentry, no longer a crime. I worked with Al D'Amato to make this a 20-year felony, one of the things I'm proudest of professionally. Because we changed the penalty for criminal aliens, this is now the most frequently prosecuted felony that is pursued by the entire Department of Justice for the whole country. Last year, over 25,000 aliens had criminal histories, came back illegally, were prosecuted for coming back illegally. Under the New Way Forward Act, that law gets erased. It doesn't matter if you run the border. It doesn't matter if you're deported and come back. No consequences. No consequences. Use a fake passport. No consequences. Never mind that the Real ID Act, which is now finally kicking in almost 20 years after 9-11, and by the way, 27 years, more than 27 years since the 93 bombing at the World Trade Center, and a month before that, the shooting at the CIA. And every one of these characters, one way or another, committed immigration fraud. I wrote a major article for the social contract a couple of years ago, Immigration Fraud, the Lies That Kill. My very first hearing before the House Immigration Subcommittee back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before 9-11, was on the issue of immigration fraud and visa fraud. So guess what? In New York, they're giving out driver's licenses to illegal aliens. Same thing in New Jersey, same thing elsewhere. And there was an announcement on the radio. This is great. If you need to get a compliant driver's license because of the Real Idea kicking in in October, lots of luck. The computers for New York and New Jersey motor vehicles have basically melted because the demand for licenses has gone through the roof. That's the real metric as to how many illegal aliens are in the United States. All these people charging to get licenses, and they'll be on the road causing more congestion. But by the way, in New York, the mayor said that if you catch someone running their engine for more than three minutes, that person gets a summons, and if you rat them out, you'll get a piece of the summons. They'll give you an incentive to rat out your neighbor who's running his car for more than three minutes. Mayor D-U-H, he's been misspelling his name all this time. D-U-H-B-L-A-S-I-O, D-U-H-B-L-A-S-I-O. So he's encouraging neighbors to rat on each other for idling their cars. Boy, this is a serious crime. Run the border, and he's okay with that. But... Don't idle your car. Well, guess what happens if you put millions of more motorists on the road? Thanks to Governor Cuomo and the governor over in New Jersey, you have lots more congestion and people stuck in traffic jams idling their engines in traffic. They don't want to idle. They'd rather be driving, but they're not going anywhere 
because wall-to-wall cars, that's the order of the day. The New York City rush hour ends at about 2 in the morning and begins at about 2.01 a.m. now. And when they talked about this on the radio today, they said, well, you know, the real ID kicked in because the terrorists use fake licenses. No, it's because the aliens, the terrorists, use licenses in fake names. They were getting real licenses. That's why it's called real ID. But, of course, they don't want people to focus on the fact that what they're doing is to make it easier for the next group of terrorists to kill a lot of Americans, a lot of innocent people. And Mike Bloomberg, oh, I was the mayor after 9-11. I put the city back together again. And he's the one that continued the sanctuary policies and wanted to expand them. The guy that they all want to bring up 9-11. Oh, I helped after 9-11. And what did you do? Did you read the 9-11 commission report? See, that's the question I'd like to see every one of these nitwits answer. Yes or no, this isn't a wiggle room. Yes or no, did you read the 9-11 commission report? Yes or no, did you read the companion report, 9-11 and terrorist travel? Because if they did, I want them to explain how they could want to end immigration law enforcement. I want them to explain how these governors could be issuing driver's licenses to illegal aliens. I want them to explain why they have sanctuary policies in their cities. So that's really the question that I'd love to hear asked. And you know what, folks? You can do it if you go to town hall meetings. Ask your mayors. Ask your governors. They're pushing sanctuary policies. Did you read the 9-11 Commission report? If not, why not? This isn't only a problem for New York City or Washington or Virginia or San Bernardino or Boston. We've had terror attacks all around the United States. The all clear hasn't sounded. But to go back to this article about the Chinese who are apprehended, I want to go back to this because it's so important. 1,155 Chinese were were caught. Um, 1,114 were apprehended after crossing between ports of entry and nine border patrol sectors, making up the southwest border with Mexico. Of the remaining, 17 were apprehended after illegally crossing the Canadian border, and 24 were apprehended along coastal boundaries. How many times have I said that America is a nation of 50 border states, states along the northern and southern borders, states that have access to America's 95,000 miles of coastline, and states that have international airports? So these were aliens who attempted to enter without vetting. Without vetting. Did they pose a threat to the public health? God knows. But here's something that will help you to stay awake this evening in case you wanted to sleep. 1,155 were caught. How many weren't caught? And where are they now? And are they sick? Are they working in that restaurant where you, you normally eat? Are they, um, what are they doing? Maybe they're driving that Uber that you get into. Be careful if you get into an Uber and the guy that's driving is coughing. You never know. Maybe this person is, is, is working, uh, selling hot dogs on a street corner somewhere. Boy, that's a comforting thought, isn't it? You see, this isn't about xenophobia, folks. And no one's screaming, oh, my God, this is terrible. They're, they're, they're going to keep people out from China because that's now on the list, right? Oh, that's okay because it's the coronavirus. But don't you dare stop terrorists from entering the United States. Don't you dare stop fugitives from entering the United States. Don't you dare stop criminals from entering the United States. We have a shortage of those. 
doing the work Americans won't do, flying airplanes into tall buildings, blowing up subways as they tried, attacking the Boston Marathon. And yes, I know they were here legally, and that shows that the legal system certainly needs the resources, which is why I'm so thrilled that the president is now creating a task force to go after immigration fraud, something I've been screaming about from, oh my goodness, going back forever. I did my first hearing back in 97 about that. This is the first time that this kind of an emphasis has been made. No no other president has done this since 9-11. And meanwhile, look at the pushback. Instead of everyone saying, boy, thank God we've got a president who's trying to keep us safe, the attacks just keep on coming. And I've never seen it this nasty. You know, it used to be a, a, a president won, the candidate won, and the other party said, oh, well, if there's an election in four years. No, they've tried to delegitimize this president since before he even won the election, since before he was even sworn into office. It's a new tactic, and it's a new low. And if you wonder why people are upset with politicians, this is why. This is exactly why. But I just want you to think about that. We know who was caught. We don't know who wasn't caught. We don't know what we don't know. So my my thanks to Bobby Gunther Walsh, and I look forward to being with him uh, on Thursday in two weeks. If you guys are interested, WAEB, I'll be on with him at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, It's always great to join him. He's, He's a good host. Now, but let's go beyond that. Let's go back to what I started to say about interior enforcement in sanctuary cities, because this is really critical. And this is the issue that has never been paid attention to, interior enforcement. You know, right after 9-11, I testified before the House Immigration Reform Caucus at the time it was chaired by Congressman uh, Tancredo, Tom Tancredo from Colorado. And at that hearing, and I was removed the next day, being a whistleblower, telling the truth, Uh, sets you free. The truth sets you free, free to look for a new job. But Tom Tancredo asked me to testify, and I did. Um, It it was, was you know, New York was was hammered. I don't think anybody who was in New York that terrible day is the same. I think I'm probably still suffering post-traumatic stress. Most of my friends and neighbors who lived through it, still the same. I, I mean, imagine what happened here. The ashes from 9-11 that contained human remains flooded down on my neighborhood like a soft snow. I remember standing in the front of my house. My wife looked up and said, my God, this reminds me of the scene from Schindler's List of the crematorium at the concentration camps. And she started to cry, and I started to cry. She said, my God, do you think there's human remains in these ashes? I said, of course there are. And Bloomberg is quick to capitalize on it, to exploit it. They all exploit it. But I guarantee you, if you ask Mr. Bloomberg if he ever read the 9-11 Commission report, he would tell you he did not. And I'd like to know how the hell you can be a candidate for the presidency or for a mayoralty or for a governorship or for a seat in the House or Senate if you haven't taken the time to reading the 9-11 Commission report. Here's a couple of paragraphs from that companion report, 9-11 and terrorist travel. 
This really focused on the ability of terrorists to move around the world, enter the United States and other countries, and carry out attacks. It was prepared by the attorneys and federal agents who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission. It was published by the U.S. government printing office. And I'm making these points because I want you to understand that this wasn't a comic book. This wasn't written by some tabloid. This is an official government report. It's a companion report to the 9-11 Commission report. And, and, and there's a, a couple of very important points it's talking about how border security is national security, that border security is a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. It went into the issue about how visas are issued. <clears throat> now, remember, the 9-11 terrorists all entered the United States through ports of entry. Many of the terrorists come through ports of entry, but it's not to say the terrorists today aren't coming across the Mexican border. If you look at the hearings that have been held, we know that Hezbollah, <clears throat> which is a, a client of Iran, is operating uh, in close coordination with the human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America to move their operatives into the United States. That was not the case when the 9-11 Commission report was written. This, this advent of, of Hezbollah uh, is a little bit after that point. But in any event, I, I want to read this to you, and I want you to understand how critical interior enforcement is. And interior enforcement is what sanctuary cities obstruct. Interior enforcement means arresting illegal aliens from within the interior of the United States and conducting investigations of aliens from within the interior of the United States, not just the borders. So here, here comes this quote. This is a direct quote. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, again, even then, some, and you can't afford to make mistakes. Look what the Tsarneo brothers did in Boston. Look at what that couple did in San Bernardino. Faisal Shazad, the Times Square bomber, acted alone trying to blow up an SUV in Times Square. Imagine what that could have created. So they were making a point here. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. In so doing... They relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here, primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, by marrying Americans, and by marrying Americans. Now, Think about all the aliens who claimed asylum in those caravans overwhelming that system that's at the breaking point. When people talk about massive, comprehensive immigration reform, which we've been hearing from these Democrat candidates for the presidency, that's what they're talking about, giving legal status to unknown millions of aliens who entered the United States by one method or another, running the borders, committing fraud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, here, the 9-11 Commission is warning that you have got to scrutinize all those applications. The one thing I'm not happy about, the Trump administration apparently is going to be cutting back on the number of personnel working at Citizenship and Immigration Services, the adjudications officers. We need more of them, not fewer. I did that job for a year. And what you need to know is that you can approve an application in minutes, but it can take days or more to deny an application because then you have to gather evidence, write a report, and the attorneys have to check the report for legal sufficiency in anticipation that if an application is denied, 
that the alien will file an appeal. So it's got to stand up in court. We just need more people doing this critical work each step of the way. You know, if a chain is as strong as its weakest link, when you look at the immigration system, there are no strong links. They're all weak or almost non-existent links. And we're talking about national security. And as we're seeing today, we're talking about public health. And then they go on and say many of these tactics, that is to say committing immigration fraud, would remain largely unchanged un, un, unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attacks. Thus, again, this is the report, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activities. It will remain, will remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Interior enforcement is a critical element to protect America and Americans from terrorists. And you have these idiots boasting about providing documents to illegal aliens who can't prove who they are. I just want you to stop and think about it. By the way, the 9-11 Commission said that in the hands of a terrorist, a passport is a deadly deadly weapon. But we're giving driver's licenses to aliens who snuck into the country. Uh, it, It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. Now, I mentioned about Bernie Sanders, and this is really important, because this is the guy who used to understand that if you flood the country with lots of workers from other countries, you're going to drive down wages and displace Americans. So I'm going to ask you a question. I may have asked this before, but it's a thought question. There have been estimates that there's 11 million illegal aliens in the United States. We've been hearing this for years, even after the caravan. 11 million, 11 million. It's like I wrote an article a long time ago for an organization I'm no longer affiliated with, but I called it the immigration clown car. You know, no matter how many clowns come out of that Volkswagen on stage, there's still more clowns. No matter how many aliens run the border and enter the country and overstay their visas, there's been estimates that at least a half million a year don't leave when they're supposed to. And it's not only that they don't leave, it's that they're probably working illegally or getting involved in criminal activity. The fact that they don't leave doesn't do specific harm to us. The bigger issue is what are they doing while they're here. But the number stays static. We know there's caravans. We know there's people violating their visas. We know all this is happening. We know there's aliens who are committing crime. 11 million, 11 million year after year. Princeton did a study, and they said, well, it could be as high as 22 million. And what no one talks about, by the way, and i got to make this point, is how do we know who's an alien? As an immigration agent, we received specific training to break false claims of citizenship. The guy from Colombia that would claim he was from Puerto Rico. Not unusual. The guy from Jamaica who would claim he was in the U.S. Virgin Islands, you see. So when someone gets arrested in sanctuary cities, and they don't even ask them where you were born. But if they do, and the guy says Puerto Rico, no one's going to say, are you sure? They're going to say, okay, he's American. So the undercounting is unbelievable. We, we saw this with Ronald Reagan and his outrageous, foolish uh, Immigration Reform and Control Act of 86, which was supposed to give about a million illegal aliens lawful status, who wound up with almost three and a half million. So this is kind of a trick question, I guess, maybe not. 
But if our, if our government was corrupt and stupid enough to pass comprehensive immigration reform, and think of how many times they tried. And then, you know, I, I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times, and I came to call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act, because there's so many aliens, there would be virtually no interviews and no field investigations. All the adjudicators would have to work with is the information contained on the application. It's an open invitation to fraud. The DACA cases are running better than a 95% approval rate. Why? There's no resources. <clears throat> so that's why when the, when the administration said they're going to have fewer people doing the adjudications, um, you know, I cringe. It scares me. I think that's a mistake. But, I mean, realize what we're dealing with on the other side. They're saying, hey, no more immigration enforcement, no more deportations. And all the aliens who were deported for the last 10 years or whatever, they shouldn't have been deported. We're going to have to bring them back. I've never seen that happen before. So we're going to bring back tens of thousands of criminals, rapists and bank robbers and gun runners and drug dealers, because now under this law, if it passed, it's not enough that you're convicted of a felony to be deported. If you're, even if you're a resident alien, you would have to have been sentenced to more than five years in jail. So if some guy rapes a, you know, a 12-year-old girl and the judge says, I'm sentencing you to four and a half years in jail, you couldn't, we wouldn't be able to deport him because it has to be at least five years. And the judge would have total discretion, total discretion. So even if the guy committed five murders, the judge could look at it and say, well, but, you know, you got family here. I'm not going to deport you. Basically, we, we would become a borderless, lawless country. There would be no reason to give people visas because it doesn't matter how you come. No matter what you do, we can't get rid of you. I mean, bars have bouncers. Congress has a sergeant at arms, right? But America, we're going to have a free-for-all. And 44 members of Congress co-sponsored this piece of garbage. But my concern is this. I don't think anybody really expects that this thing could ever pass. I really couldn't. I shouldn't say couldn't. Not likely. But it makes comprehensive immigration reform seem more palatable. And that's been the gambit with this all along. When they couldn't get comprehensive immigration reform passed, what did they do? It became the DREAM Act. We're going to help the children. It wasn't about children. The age cutoff was 35. They would have to claim they came before they were 16, but with no ability to do interviews or field investigations. How do you know when an illegal alien ran the border? How do you know? You don't know. So that was the gambit. And then along came Barack Obama and lied through his teeth and said, Congress failed to act, so I'm going to act. When Congress votes no, it's not a failure to act, folks. He most certainly, the Congress most certainly acted. It said no. But I, I'm concerned that the reason they're trying to push this bill is when you look at it, you say, oh, my God, these people are crazy. But by comparison, comprehensive immigration reform now looks more reasonable because I think that's really what the goal is. It's like going in and you're going to buy a new car and the dealer wants you to spend at least sticker price and you want to spend 5000 under sticker price, so you go back and forth. I think that's just their opening bid to try to rejuvenate comprehensive reform. And we're hearing from the candidates that they all want to do this, you see. So I just think this sets the stage for comprehensive reform because compared to the garbage of the new way forward, that comprehensive reform doesn't seem like such a bad idea. I'm going to tell you something. Comprehensive immigration reform has the potential to destroy the United States. I know it's a, it's a tough statement, 
But let me go back to that question that I started to ask you. If we, if the government passed comprehensive immigration reform, and let's say we wind up with 30 million aliens coming out of the shadows, right? Reagan said 1 million, we wound up with 3.5 million. So let's say we're told 11 million and we wind up with, with 30 million. Being conservative, how many aliens would get a green card if we did this? Now, I know a lot of you are saying, boy, Cutler lost his mind. Didn't he just tell us 30,000 people would get green cards? Isn't that what you're thinking? Be honest. I can see you shaking your heads. I can see you looking confused. The point is that every alien who would get lawful status, the very same day that they get lawful status, could immediately petition to bring in all of their minor children and all of their spouses if they're not already here. So let's say that some of them do have their spouses and children here. Let's say that some of them don't have kids. But we know that in third world countries, families with six, eight, ten children are not unheard of. So let's be conservative and say, okay, allowing for the fact that many of them have already brought their children here or they don't have kids. So let's be just cool about this and say they each have on average two children to compensate for the the people that don't have any kids that they're going to bring here. Do the math. Do the math. What is two times 30 million? 50 million. Now imagine that they pass comprehensive immigration reform and within one year 60 million school age children come to the United States and enter the school system, the public school system. Across the country, our public school systems are crumbling. Our infrastructure is crumbling. They would also be able to bring in their spouses. So now we're talking about an influx altogether of 80 to maybe 100 million people between spouses and children and so forth. That's like almost a third of our population. What would that do to inflation as we're trying to feed tens of millions of more mouths in America? More cars, more electricity, more water, more bread, more meat, more vegetables. The inflationary pressure would go through the roof, supply and demand, supply and demand. The trains in New York can't handle the passengers that they're carrying now. Imagine if that number doubled, because, most, because probably half of New York are, are, are immigrants, legal, illegal, whatever. So that number goes through the roof. What do you think the rush hour would be like in New York? People would leave. The city would lose money. Tax and everything else goes out the window. Cities would crumble. Infrastructure, forget about it. This is catastrophic. It's like saying, let's put 5,000 people on an airliner. The damn thing won't take off. And if it did get airborne, it would crash. You can't fly with 5,000 people on a 747. See, I really believe that when Bernie Sanders says he wants political revolution, he's not whistling Dixie. Take the man at his word. Take the man at his word. And how do you get revolution? You have to crash the current system. And don't think it can't happen. Venezuela was the envy of Latin America. Argentina was the envy of Latin America, but Venezuela in particular. 
Where is Venezuela today? It's in the tank. Millions of Venezuelans are attempting to flee to go to neighboring countries. They don't even have electricity all the time. Electricity comes on and the electricity goes off, and the electricity goes on and the electricity goes off. There's no food. There's no water. And this had been, not long ago, the wealthiest country in Latin America. What would America do with 60 million non-English-speaking schoolchildren? Believe it or not, this potentially could happen. This potentially could happen. Because nobody is thinking about all the people that would come to America if we were to legalize what has been touted as 11 million. People say, 11 million, and they're here already. Who cares? No, they would bring in their, their wives or their husbands and their minor children, and we would be up to our eyeballs. We would drown. We would drown. This would capsize the American lifeboat. Do the math. Read the articles. Check out what I'm telling you. Because while we're told that under the Reagan administration, three and a half million aliens got lawful status, the one number that nobody has ever asked for and the one number that's never been put out there is how many aliens, because of those three and a half million, were immediately able to come to the United States and live in the United States. The three million probably quickly became 12 million. 12 million is doable. But when we start to look at the numbers today, you know, I said that the old Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act should be given the name the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Today, I really believe that we need a new name for this bill. We should be calling it the Overwhelm America Act. Because what they're calling Comprehensive Immigration Reform would absolutely flood America with so many people that we would become a dysfunctional country. And waiting in the wings, Russia, China, Iran, this is not going to have a happy ending if we don't bring this lunacy to a screeching halt. It's one thing to be compassionate. It's something else to be suicidal. No rational family would give money to charity if they couldn't feed their own children. And that's exactly what Bernie Sanders and all these other characters on the left are asking us to do as a country, to give the opportunity for unknown tens of millions of aliens to come to America legally. You see, it's not just about illegal immigration, to grant lawful status to tens of millions of children who would immediately, under the law, have to be enrolled in schools that are overcrowded now. And you should know that in 2006, the Congressional Budget Office did a study, and the study showed that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate children who are not English fluent, English uh, literate. Imagine the chaos that would ensue in our schools. Imagine the damage this would do to the educational system. Imagine the damage this would do to American children. And if you can't educate your children, what is America's future? What is America's future if we flood our schools with non-English-speaking kids to the tune of tens of millions of students? And these schools are overcrowded now. They lack the money to buy the equipment that they need. Many teachers, because they're dedicated to those children, are taking money out of their own pocket to buy school supplies. 
Now add to that mix 50, 60 million more students. God help us. God help us. And it's remarkable that Bernie Sanders says, well, we would tax the wealthy. And if you read between the lines, his notion of wealthy is we would tax people making more than $29,000 a year, which is very interesting because I said this a long time ago with all this talk about the need to create a $15 an hour minimum wage. And with what Alan Greenspan had to say back on April 30th, 2009, about this notion of addressing wage inequality by making high-tech American workers compete with foreign workers to get rid of their wage premium so we can move closer to wage equality. What he was really saying is destroy the wages of the middle class so the working poor will have nobody to be envious of. $15 an hour could well become a standard wage. Not a minimum wage, but a standard wage. And people are desperate. The unemployment numbers don't tell the whole story. Yes, what Donald Trump did was was excellent in terms of getting people working and bringing jobs back that Obama said would never come here, the manufacturing jobs. However, consider purchasing power. It's not enough to have a job when you look at the cost of everything. How many people are able to buy a new car? How many people are able to do all those things that used to be considered part of the American dream? People are leasing cars now because the cost of cars has gone through the roof compared with what people are earning. And then there was an article in the papers where, and and, and this was on Breitbart, but they were actually quoting a New York Times article. um, and, And the whole point to the article was that we can no longer afford Think about that. We can no longer afford to have one-family homes out in suburbia. One-family homes, they've got to go away. Why do they have to go away? Because we just can't afford that anymore. It's not a good use of land, and it's much too costly. So there was this article, and I'm I'm trying to pull it up for you on my computer, even as I – here we go. Now, this was a Breitbart article, and this is startling. Breitbart News, and this was published February the 8th this year, 2020. Here's the headline. You ready, folks? Americans must destroy suburbia to benefit the immigrants, says a New York Times author. Benefit the immigrants at the expense of Americans. Forget we the people. And here's how it begins. Americans must abandon their ambitions to raise their children in suburban greenery because the country is getting too crowded, says pro-immigration immigrant at the New York Times. Quote, let's quit fetishizing the single family home, said the headline to an op-ed by columnist Farhad Manju in the February 5th edition of the New York Times. The reign of the single family home is over. Whatever its habitable charms and nostalgic appeal, The single-family home is out of step with the future, Manju writes. That future, according to Manju, is the continued immigration of millions of people from India, Africa, China, and elsewhere. Manju writes that his childhood in California, the sun-drenched suburbs that his father provided in the less crowded 1980s, quote, that dream now looks prohibitive. Houses with backyards in my neck of the woods would require Tech IPO levels of insane wealth. Think about that. Is that not astonishing? So we're going to redistrict. We're going to get rid of those one-family houses. 
They're going to get rid of those lawns, those little swimming pools in the backyard, those inflatable pools, because company is coming. And if Bernie Sanders and Klobuchar and all these others have their way, they will pass comprehensive reform or they will enact an executive order that will have the power of law. We saw this happen with DACA. God knows this is going to wind up in the courts. But God forbid if we do this to ourselves, America as we know it will end. America will truly become a third world country. And this isn't a statement of xenophobia. I don't care what country the aliens come from. <clears throat> we just can't absorb so many millions of new immigrants, children flooding the schools, and so forth. This is not sustainable. Isn't that remarkable? It's a term that the left loves to use, sustainability. How sustainable would it be if we legalized 30 million illegal aliens and on average they each bring in two children? But what happens if they bring in an average three children? How about four children? Now we're up to 120 million children coming to our schools. What happens? Because once that law is signed, there's no going back. You can't go into the courts and relitigate it. It's the law. These aliens would immediately have the right. There'd be so many applications. Screening would be all but impossible. It's Lucy at the Bonbon factory on steroids. National security would be hammered into the ground. Our economy would be hammered into the ground. And our educational system would be overwhelmed. Political revolution. Wow. Understand, this is not in the best interest of America or Americans. But I can guarantee you that Russia, China, and Iran are salivating at the prospect that we could be that stupid. At some point, we have to have the guts to stand up and say, listen, this isn't about racism. This is simply about logistics and what's possible. If you're going to throw a birthday party, you have to know what the budget is before you figure out how many people you can invite. Uh, if you don't have the money, uh, how many people can you feed on, on two pizza pies? A hundred? Two hundred? That's what Mr. Sanders is calling for. Uh, don't fall for the nonsense and stand up to the accusations, folks. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, and sometimes you just got to dig in and stand your ground. A lot is hanging in the balance. The future of our country, the future of our children, the future of their children. This isn't xenophobia, and don't let anybody accuse you of it. And by the way, the immigrants who came legally over the past several decades, I get to speak to them as I take rides into the city to appear on programs and so forth, and almost all of them have said to me that if America had been what it is now back when they came 10, 15, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have come here. Imagine if Bernie Sanders and his friends get their way. God help us all. I thank you for spending the uh, hour with me, folks. Please get involved. Have these conversations with your neighbors. Uh, and make a point of sharing the information because knowledge is power and democracy is not a spectator sport. Please check out my articles at frontpagemag.com. And, and think about joining um, Team DML over at Dennis Michael Lynch, dmlnews.com. Um, there's information that you must have, and it's information you must share with others. Do your part, um, and let's remember the First Amendment. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Take care.